Hey folks, welcome to Freedom Decoded. This is our podcast where we let our hair down a little bit. We give you a peek behind the curtain at what's exciting to Demir and myself at the current moment. Um, if you don't know much about us, we are productivity coaches uh, originally from the US. Now we are expats living abroad, trying to create our personal vision of our dream lifestyle. And we show our clients how to get more productive, organized, and efficient so that they can do the same. And you can learn more about us at lifehackmethod.com. So today we're covering one of our absolute favorite topics of the year, which is a, a nerdy productivity topic, but it's annual pre-planning. Um, a lot of people talk about doing annual pre-planning, but uh, I don't think anybody does it in quite the way we do it um, because we try to create a map of what your entire next year will, will look like, not just sort of like a long list of goals. So um, what we're going to be doing in this podcast is sharing the first part of our annual pre-planning, which is our year in review. Yeah, I mean, I love this. And I think this is almost backed by popular demand because so many people love seeing that peek behind the curtain. You know, it's easy to, you know, put the gloss out there. Look at our life. We work less than 30 hours a week. And, you know, we live in Colombia and look at these like glamorous trips that we're taking. But, you know, uh, this is a nice way for people to get a peek behind the curtain to see, hey, what was the real struggles? Yeah. Uh, what were the breakthroughs? And just get a little peek at the real of our life. Um, you know, this is such a powerful process, and I think it starts with honesty. So although we will censor a little bit, and, you know, there's going to be a couple of TMI things that we're going to... We've we're not just gonna, left off. Yeah, we've just left off because <laughs> I don't think they add anything. No, um, they, no, but we've left some good stuff in. Yeah, but it, we try, we challenge ourselves in these to be as honest as possible because yeah. we also know that that's what people want to see yeah. is just that honest reaction. So what we're going to do high level is talk about business wins in 2022, business losses, um, personal wins and personal losses. And then talk a little bit about how we're digesting this initially and, and how we're thinking about next year. Yeah. And before we get started, if you're in our Lifehack Tribe membership, Demir is going to be leading a pre-planning workshop. So make sure that you're attending that. Uh, we're also going to have all sorts of materials prepared for you to do your own annual pre-planning. So even if you can't make the workshop, you should still be doing your annual pre-planning. Um, if you are not part of our Lifehack Tribe membership, Joining just to get this annual pre-planning is totally worth it. So we'll put a link in the description if you want to sign up for Lifehack Tribe. Yeah, no flex at all. This has got to be one of the best processes that we teach. And uh, there's so many clients who will come back after this and just say, that alone was everything for me. Yep. So initial reaction. I want to get yours, but my first initial reaction was we crushed it this year. <laughs> and I say that if people go back in time two years ago we had a year where everything went sideways on us and you know we didn't hit the goals that we had set out for ourselves so this year was i would say a combination of being prepared and getting lucky there's yeah. preparation and luck but we we crushed a significant amount of preparation yeah i definitely think so yeah we had a we had really specific tangible goals this year, which also really helped yeah. that it was like, hey, this is what success will look like at various levels. Um, and so just there's <laughs> by comparing ourselves to those exact metrics, we have crushed it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some business wins. I mean, the obvious one is sort of like blaring with the red light. Uh, you know, the book was published. We published and promoted yes, the book finally. and it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Oh which was not, it's so funny, you know, how quickly people will rewrite the scripts. Right. You know, when we were going for Wall Street Journal bestseller, we have really close friends who love us and support us who said there is no way. Just let it go. You are never going to become a Wall Street Journal bestselling book. And 
We did. Lo and, and behold. That's not to say, screw you, you don't get us. It was more just like, you know, we took in that information, but also, you know, we set our expectations low. We didn't expect to become Wall Street Journal bestsellers, but a lot of people would hear that and not even try them. Yes. And we decided, you know what? Probably it won't happen, but you know what? We're going to try because we spent all this time writing a book that we love. We want to get it to as many people as possible. Yep. So let's give ourselves the opportunity. And it costs us real money yep, to make that Yeah, we shot. had to do a lot of promotion because our book was self-published. And so we didn't have the support of a publisher. And that was the main issue is a lot of our friends who have published books were like, well, you do need that publisher support to get the kind of reach you need to have a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And we were like, yep, mm-hmm, totally get that. And then we went back to our corner and we we're like, well, how do we get that same reach on our own? And of course, the answer was we needed to use our marketing talents and uh, find the right resources and, and agencies out there who could help us promote the book. Yeah. And, and it ended up becoming a Wall Street Journal bestseller, which was, I think, it's it's hard to emphasize like how blown away I still am by that. I'm and, still a bit uh, boggled by that. I mean, I love the book. I knew the book was good, but I also anybody who's familiar with book publishing knows that's a whole, good. Writing a good book is a whole different ballgame from having the kind of support you need to promote it and get it in front of people right. to hit a list like that. Because there's just too many good books now. There's yeah. just it's. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a whole different ballgame. So the lesson, I think, and, and for those of you who haven't seen our process, we choose a business win, but then every, bit, every win, every loss, we try to derive a lesson. Like, what did we actually learn from this? To me, it's that we keep proving to ourselves incrementally that things that felt that were, we were, that we had felt were beyond our reach actually aren't beyond our reach. And so every time you sort of go a little bit further than you think you can and then realize it, it expands the range of what you're willing to do and go for thereafter. Yeah, and I really just, I hate being told I can't do something. It's just, maybe it's a character flaw, I don't know, but, ooh, I mean, I even remember times in my childhood when I was told I couldn't do something and it still rankles me. So I was yeah. like, so I love trying to, to solve those sorts of problems. And our, our new goal for the book is to turn it into a perennial bestseller. What does that mean to be a perennial bestseller? Well, nowadays it sort of means to be perennially on a Amazon bestseller list. Um, for us, that's what I would be going for. There are some like, you know, there are some books that are perennial, like New York Times bestsellers, like some fiction books or like yeah. James Clear's Atomic Habits, you yeah. know, that are just unicorns. Um, but for us, what I would want to be is just in front of people, in front of the right people um, in the productivity space on Amazon. Yeah. And remember, our big mission is to create a generational change in this problem we're having with balancing work and life. And so for me, you know, the book is a crucial part of that. Um, it definitely helps our business, but we'll talk a little bit later on how it maybe wasn't as helpful as we thought this yeah, year. Right. It wasn't as additive to our business as we thought, but it's super duper additive to our mission. Yes. And so uh, although I have zero doubt that as we continue to promote the book, it will start to create a flywheel that supports the business. Really, it's so supportive of our mission. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Another uh, big win from this past year was our uh, Life Hack Bootcamp sales process. So this yeah. is a sales process that largely Demir has worked on improving, but I've also been working on the operations side to improve. That's um, That resulted in a 94% uh, conversion rate yeah. on the bootcamp this year. And let me explain, this This sounds like a little bit in the weeds and I won't get too deep into it, but simply to say that we have a process by which I was doing 
every single call for every single person who came into the boot camp. And as the boot camp grew and and my time became more precious, uh, you know, there was this question in the air of whether I could continue to do these calls or whether we needed to hire somebody else. Yeah. And I really strongly did not want to hire somebody else. I didn't we have want to have a salesperson. We tried that before yeah. and we decided actually that we wanted to go back to doing it ourselves. Yeah, I, I, when people join me for the boot camp, it's a very intimate journey that I'm taking with them and I want to be the one welcoming them in and starting them off with that first call. But at, at a certain point, it was like a 50% conversion rate. So it was almost like, oh, I'm gonna do all these calls. It's gonna burn up so much of my time and only half of these people are actually gonna come in. So what I did was conceived of a different process by which they already knew by the time they were in the call whether they were gonna join or not so that so that we could actually use the call less for selling the person and right. more just for starting their process of getting coached together. Right. And uh, so I won't go too much deeper, but just simply to say that now that I know that there's a 94% chance that when somebody gets on the call, they're going to join, it actually just means that it's worth my time. Yeah, because you're excited to, to meet this person. You're like, oh, I'm going to be coaching this person. I can't wait to hear their story and exactly. their background. And I think I want to acknowledge you here because so, I mean, <laughs> we've hired so many sales consultants and not one of them has ever suggested a strategy like this. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea behind sales is keep all the information to yourself. Don't tell the client anything yep. at all until you get on the sales call and then wow them so much on the sales call that they can't help but buy. And then pressure them into yes, buying. Yes, and it's a pressure sale. So like that's what we've always heard and we have tried that and it just always felt so yucky to us. Yeah. We couldn't find a way where it was really, I mean, we made it work, but not like to the level we wanted it. So the the whole idea of like, hey, <laughs> They're given all the information, all these videos, all this, all these surveys. So like by the time they get on the call, they should already know if they're going to buy or not. And if they don't know that, then there's a problem. Like we have failed yeah. to communicate something to them beforehand such that they know. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's so funny that you brought that up because I do feel so proud of coming up with something that feels 100% uniquely us and uniquely our customer, meaning it, we didn't outsource it or consult with anybody else because salespeople are always, you know, sales consultants are always about getting you further away from your client. And we were always like, no, I want to, I want to at scale, get closer to our clients. And I think, um, I think what I'm most proud about this is just the idea of sort of blocking out the outside world and just making it us and the customer and iterating inside of that sort of golden sphere and coming up with something that just feels like a massive win-win. Yeah. So then the the third major win that we had this past year uh, was really more on um, my side of the ledger. If oh, the boot yeah. camp is on this your is big side win. of the ledger, this is my win. Uh, more so, it's a whole team's win, really. But um, Lifehack Tribe broke the 2,000 member mark, yep. um, which is totally something we never thought was going to be possible. It's not, I mean, you know, you always hope that you'll be able to reach more people and scale, but the fact that we've been able to do it and so quickly yeah. um, has really blown us away. Yeah, and, and you know, done it in a way that feels like, again, gratatum ferosa terra, right? Done it in a way that's been slow, um, where all of, if you look at all of the essential numbers that support our business, other people look and say, whether it's our retention rate or a rollover rate, all that kind of stuff, people look at it and say, oh my God, you've got best in the industry numbers. So not only have we grown to 2000, we've done it without doing any cheap tricks or like burning, you know, inefficiently burning through people or, you know, this is yeah. often people scale, but what they're really doing is burning through their customers because they're getting people, but then they're losing them. Right, right, right? away, which means they have to 
get even more people. And yeah, of course, it's like we're always, you know, we're always going to have some rollover every month. But the goal is to keep that um, as small as possible so that we can yeah. continue to grow. And and also that means that we're doing a good job, right? Yeah, of course. That's like the number one. I mean, I just want to acknowledge you, though, on this one. There was so much blocking and tackling that people don't see behind the scenes that led to this growth. I mean, the top of funnel marketing that you've done, maybe you could give us like a quick example sure. of of some of the, the the really hard work and even setbacks that go into getting to that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, almost um, everyone who's part of our community probably saw one of our Facebook or Instagram ads at, at some point, um, and they were interested in what we had to say, and so they clicked on that ad. Um, that's sort of what I'm in charge of on the team is that top of funnel piece. Um, so you might have said, oh, wow, the ad is like really interesting, or I got something out of it. It's like, that's fantastic. Um, but we probably tested like hundreds and hundreds of ads. So um, there's only a handful that perform yeah, well. Yeah, people say, I, how did you come up with that ad? It's like, you don't want to know. Oh, a lot of testing. It's my life is constant testing and learning. And by learning, I mean failing. Yeah. So um, there's been a lot of setbacks. I mean, heck, like vetting new vendors and, and agencies and trying different people out and then you know, even testing different parts of the funnel, like yeah. testing different webinars. And most of the time that doesn't go well. Yeah. Testing new sales pages. Most of the time that doesn't go well. Okay. Well, tell the story about the sales page that you spent all that time on and yes. then release. And the the worst part is the ones where you're like, I'm I'm sure that this is going to do great. Yeah. So we had this, um, this sales page conversion problem. And I was like, I think we can convert more people on our sales page. You know, these people are perfect for try, but there should be no reason why they don't take this offer, right? Um, so I was like, okay, let me rewrite the copy. We'll do, redo the design. You know, the messaging is going to be even more on brand. It was beautiful. And it was it, beautiful. It, it was so page. nice. It looked so great. And everyone was like, yes, it's going to do great. And then I pushed it live and we did a, a, an A-B test and it performed demonstrably worse than just than the, the current one. one then the current one, I was like, oh my gosh, like I put so much, not just time and energy, but even money into making sure this was going to be making sure this is going to be a win. It's like marketing continually proves to you that you are not in charge. <laughs> you, you can, it's like, it's like fishing in that you can put your bait in the water, but you, sometimes you put, you're like, I've got the best bait. This is a, I'm pretty sure this is where the fish are. And you put it in and you get no bites and you just have to pull bait and go somewhere else. Try different baits. You just have try to try something yeah. else. Yep. So then yeah. it's a lot of mindset work for me to not get discouraged and just be like, okay, well, what's something else? And meanwhile, then I made a different, like very, very small tweak on the sales page. So minor as to be what I thought in, inconsequential. Yeah. Um, and it resulted in like a 5% bump in sales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, but I just want to acknowledge, I, I think that it's important to acknowledge you and maybe even bring other people behind the scenes is, is that it's easy to look from the outside and be like, wow, they've got great ads that are converting, but not see that part of success is the setbacks. Part of success is, you know, rolling something out with such high expectations and it not working, but then shaking, maybe taking the rest of the day off, you know, and then shaking it off and starting again the next day. And just knowing that that is part of the process. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing before we move on. Um, I just love our team. Yeah, our team is really We've great. Got such a good team. And I'm not so our direct team of like coaches and assistant coaches and people who do some admin, Kendra, shout out like, like, 
I love our team, but also even some of the vendors that you've brought in yeah. and, and some of the contractors and vendors that we have are, I just really love our lineup. And, and, and they, they all perform really well at or beyond expectation, but also they're good people. And so it feels like every day when we're getting on the, if we get on the phone with somebody or if we're having an email exchange, just doesn't, it's been years since that we've had any drama with anybody. Everybody's just so good to talk to, so reliable. Just love that. Yeah. Our team has been really, really great. There's, it's, there's no doubt. We're also like anti-drama. We're like. Yeah, we repel drama. We repel. We're like a magnet that repels drama. So um, I think the moment anyone talks to me, they're like, whoa, this person is not into drama. Okay, got it. So that I think also helps. So let's talk business losses, right? Um, The first is uh, the the book did not lead to any kind of huge bump or explosion in inbound traffic to our website. I mean, in a perfect world, the book would have become a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and that would have driven a ton of traffic to Tribe. Now, Tribe is doing great, but it's not necessarily because of the book. It's because what we just said of all of your top of funnel marketing stuff. Right. Um, So, you know, is it a loss? No, No. it's still in development. We're going to keep pushing the book. And the book is about more than just driving traffic. It's also about credibility and mission and and, and reaching a different audience than we can reach with those ads. Totally. But it is an expectation that we had hoped for that that didn't come to pass. So I'm going to put in the loss category for now. Oh, Um, and just so that everyone knows that when they publish a book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This idea that immediate result in like so much website traffic or something. So the idea here is that we're going to keep you know, we're going to keep pushing behind the book because we've gotten such good feedback that we know there's that people is, are reflecting back to us that the book is as good as we thought it was. And so we're going to try to turn it into a perennial bestseller. Mm-hmm. And maybe at some point in the future, next year, year after, there becomes this flywheel effect where it will sort start to build up and feedback into yeah. the business. But right this moment, it didn't it, it, it wasn't like the month after the book came out. A flood of new sales came. And, in. you know, part of that's on like me being a new marketer of a book like I didn't know exactly what was going to work, but I already have some ideas about what we yeah. could change about the book to make that work. But again, lesson for other people, just notice it's that gradatim ferociter, you know, every step passionately, ferociously, you know, I, I hope if anybody gets, if anybody wants to see the secret, like to our success, it is almost 100% just that our willingness to say, if we've chosen the right leverage point. Yes. And we're sure about that, like this, like that the book was the thing that we needed to do, then we don't just give up and abandon ship at the first sign of inconvenience or, or, or trouble. We just sort of little by little, okay, great. Let's try something new. Try something new. Try something new. Right. Totally. Awesome. What else? Um, another business loss is on, on Lifehack Tribe, our annual, for the members who have our annual plan, the annual renewal rate this year was lower than the previous year. Yeah. So um, that's always concerning because, you know, a major metric of our success and are we providing value is seeing those annual members, our most committed members, continue to stay with us in Tribe. Now, I just want to preface this yes. by saying... Our, everybody who we work with in the industry looks at our numbers and literally craps a brick. I mean, they, they think our numbers are better than anything. And the truth is, is we are about twice or three times as good as any other membership that we've seen out there. So we've got great numbers. But the way that we think about it is if we've achieved our goal of creating something that is absolutely invaluable to people's productivity, they cannot live without it, mm-hmm. then we would see a 100% renewal. And I know yes. that sounds like we're asking for too much, but I think sometimes- we, we, but Both things can be true. We're yes. holding both things in our minds simultaneously. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like we both understand that we're in a good place now, but also taking radical ownership, like when that number comes down, you need to look at yourself and say, how can we be better? What what can we do better? How can we keep driving towards making this, you know, undoubtable value that make that people I want people to say like I'll I'll go without my Starbucks. I I need to keep this thing here because right. this provides so much value for me. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Let's go to personal wins yeah. and personal losses. I love this first personal win. I can't believe this is our first one, but you were, you were so no excited about it. In no particular order. So. In no particular all right, order. All right, all right. Fine, fine. So uh, we bought a new car. Um, and I know Not just sounds, a new car. We did not have a car before. So we this did, is like our first car we've owned in like seven years. So. Yeah. And, and for me, I have never bought a new car in my life. Right. right. I had a used car when I was in high school. Actually, me too. That's true. I've yeah. never bought a new car. Yeah. So, so this is the first new car that either you and I have bought. There's a couple of wins here. One is um, we could have taken a, a, a model of car that was a little bit more affordable and we went up for the one that had a lot of the safety features and the whirly gigs and doodads. Um, it was it was fancy. We bought yeah. a fancy dancy fully electric car. The second thing is that, you know, I just want to be part of the future and not the past. And it's clear that the future of, of automobiles is electric. And so we bought an all electric car that was really badass. It's just an amazing car. So it's both the win is like, wow, it's all the first car that I ever bought in my life. The first new car was all electric. And that felt like a win for me. Yeah. And uh and I'll tell you what, I sound like a car commercial here, but I feel leveled up when I drive this car. You yeah. you laugh at me all the time because every time we're driving together, I'm like, don't you love this car? I love this car. There's something, you know, they always say that like, oh, whatever, when you purchase something, the novelty wears off and then it just becomes like anything else. I feel like this car was a little different and this car represents more than just a car. It feels like a leveling up. Like I feel like more of an adult and I feel more successful driving this car around. And, I know, and it's not a sports car. It's not a Lamborghini. But for me, it represented a leveling up. Right. Yeah, I think for me, it was just um, it just is so much e it makes our systems run better because oh, yeah. with Gigi, it's just so much easier to have her in her own car seat that she's used to. I mean, for for new moms, you can imagine how difficult it is to, like, get your car, get your child in and out of a ubers and taxis all the yeah. time with you know her little portable car seat and everything it's just it's so much more difficult so um this has been nice in terms of just like lifestyle improvement for me um and also i was really pleased because actually the economics around car buying are completely different here in colombia than they are in the u.s where it's like i was taught to always buy used um yeah. and now of course with the pandemic that's even a little bit changing but um but here in colombia cars hold their value much more yes so um i was really excited to be able to buy such a nice car that i also know is not going to be like worth nothing yeah yeah <laughs> down the road totally totally um another big win is um some people who know us know that we have a not-for-profit sort of couples mastermind that we do simply because we love people and uh, whenever we meet amazing couples we want to bring them into this community of couples that we have it's jokingly called the power couples uh, retreat um and i say jokingly because you know it's sort of like tongue-in-cheek um but the idea is uh you know we were doing it for five before the pandemic and then the pandemic of course shot everything for five down years, you mean, yeah. so we did it five years and then the pandemic shut everything down we took a 23 26 people, 13 couples on a four-layer, four-decker boat, uh, you know, four weeks, seven days, seven nights, all through Croatia. And it was just bonding and beautiful. And, you know, I, I'm still sort of floating from it. I mean, it really is, it's only a week, a year, but it feels like it recharges my batteries in a very profound way. 
Yeah, and there's the, some there's some pictures on my Instagram if you want to see what that looks like. Yeah. It's pretty dope. Yeah, and it's friendship formation. I mean, I feel like in adulthood, adulthood sort of naturally strips friendships away from you, but it doesn't give them back, right? So there's you lose friends just naturally as you fall out of touch and grow different ways, but you don't really get a lot of opportunities to build friends. And so that's just so crucial for me. It feels like a huge win. Yeah, for sure. Um, any, any other ones that you want to pick out of this list? We've got a giant list, but we're just cherry picking the best ones. Yeah, I, I think on another another really good one here um, on the personal side is how good you've done on the um, personal training. How would you describe that? The yeah, gym, like my, my fitness journey. Your yeah. fitness journey, yeah. yeah. Um, Can you share so, a little bit about that? Yeah, I have lost 20, I think now 27 pounds of fat and gained 7 pounds of muscle in the last like 18 to 24 months. That's taken me from 25% body fat to 16% body fat. And... Um, yeah, I, I'm extremely proud of it, and I feel fantastic today. Ironically, I don't feel fantastic, but like generally, generally speaking, speaking yeah. I feel fantastic. Usually, you feel um, fantastic. And uh, and yeah, it's just felt like a pleasure the whole time. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole podcast on that, but but high level, I'm just really proud of myself for that. And yeah, it, it feels like this time. Maybe the the headline is this time instead of doing it because I wanted to see myself with abs mm -hmm. or for myself. I think it, the initial impetus was about you and Gigi. Right. Meaning, I wanted to make sure that Gigi grew up with a father who was an, an exemplar of healthy living and healthy eating, um, because I haven't always been that, and I didn't want to pass any weird bad habits on to her. Right. Um, but also for you, you know, we've got a ten year age gap, and if I kick the bucket, I want you at least to you know say well he tried he was trying <laughs> so you know, no i mean i'm just saying like if i died early right, earlier right. than i, I planned to saying, i would yeah. want you to at least feel that i had been making the effort to be happy or to be healthy right right i, I totally get it yeah i mean i think just in general we want to present to our kids we want to provide that example of the kind of people um that we want them to be yeah. You know, and we have to do the work in order to make that happen. Plain and simple. Let's talk about personal losses. Um, I mean, one that's easy, we couldn't control it, but the stocks, our stocks took even more of a hit. It was like down and then down even more. And it wah, looks like wah. they might even go down even more. Um, I will say that, you know, the the silver lining to that cloud, I mean, it's a cloud. I'm not trying to, you know, wash it away. But the silver lining is having bought our house in cash, having bought our car in cash, mm -hmm. you know, we actually feel very resilient. Like we can just sort of like turtle in and wait for the invariable upswing to come back. We have right. also been, you know, even though Saving. cash is supposed to be trash, where we know that at some point things will turn around. And so I think we're well positioned, but you know, no one likes to see that. No one likes to see that. No one likes to check their stocks and be like, I lost more money today. Yeah. But, uh, wow. but yeah, we're going to keep, we're going to, you know, that just is another personal loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think another personal loss is uh, here in Medellin itself, in, in the city of Medellin, we're still feeling like a, a bit of a lack of community. Yeah. Which is important to us. And part of that's just because we're, we're busy, you know, Gigi's in school now and yeah. we have the less time. The business has been blowing and, up and we need to, not blowing up in a bad way, but I mean like. Yeah, like we, we are choosing to spend time preparing for the new baby and maybe not necessarily like getting out into the community as much. Um, but still, like that's a loss. Yeah, yeah. We we would have imagined this far into living in Medellin that we would have had. We have great friends, you know, shout out to the, the few great friends that we do have. But we would have imagined that we would have had more, you know, stronger, yeah. tight knit community. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, so um, let's just talk about as we wrap up. So that's our business wins, business losses, personal wins, personal losses. Again, this is the sort of initial sort of setup to planning your year because you know there's no point in like planning your year and setting a goal if you really haven't ingested the lessons 
from the past year? What did we truly learn this year? And I think there were a lot of lessons to be learned from this past year. So um, although we're not going to do a pre-planning right now, we already sort of, it feels like just digesting this, we already sort of know what our chief definite aim is for next yeah. year. So and can you talk is, to that a little bit? Our chief definite aim is something that's sort of like our arrow, like our North Star, like yes. what's sort of like our overarching goal or like a destination ambition, yeah. or ambition for for the next year. Yeah. Um, and the way we're encapsulating that right now is uh, this idea of chewing and swallowing. Yeah, having a chew and swallow year. Chew and, chew and swallow everything that we've that we've gained, um, you know, in terms of we did the so much on the top of funnel in terms of the book and all of that marketing. And now we need to sort of like let that sink in through the rest of our business. Yes. Yes. I mean, pick anything you want, like with the family where we have a new baby coming. So we're going to need oh, to... Oh, by the time this podcast is out, she's probably going to be born. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're going to, we got to adjust to that new family size and all that that means. Yeah. Um, you know, the book, it's great that the book's out, but actually there's going to be years of small, you know, chewing and swallowing around the book to make sure that the book has the impact that we really want it to have. Same thing with Tribe. We've grown tremendously to 2,000 people, but we want to make sure that instead of growing to 4,000, a lot of people would say, oh, 2,000, great, next is 4,000. Actually, the way we're thinking about it next year is, you know, staying at the same level, mm -hmm. more or less, not, not with an ambition to grow per se, but just really an ambition to serve the people that are right. in that community at a higher hold level. Hold our gains. Yes. Like we know so well that you can grow so fast and then drop so quickly. Yes. And it's like we need to make sure we're holding. Yeah, consolidating your gains, creating systems that, uh, again, allow us to, you know, do less but create more value. Not doing, and I can't emphasize this enough to people, doing less isn't about you being a lazy piece of you know what and not wanting to be around your client. What's great about when I do less is it means that I can show up for my client more rested. I can be, I can do higher quality work and really be there. So many times in Tribe, um, you know, whenever we have a call, I don't leave the call until every question is answered and every problem has been solved. And people are always sending me emails like, you stayed on that call for three and a half hours just doing coaching and helping people. I can't, like, where do you find the time? And I'm like, when I when I gain time, right, that's, that's what, what I reallocate right. it to because I want to give that time to people in a way where it really shows up for them. I don't yeah. want to be in, in my email because nobody cares yeah. if I'm spending 50 hours a yes, week in my can, email. You can't really reach Demir by email. I don't know if you've tried that. It's not really, it's not going to work. So, so yeah, next year is a chew and swallow year. Well, tell them about, uh, I want to talk more about this concept of one-tenth. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you for bringing this up. Okay. Um, micro story. Uh, we had a consultant come to us and say, you can 10X your business. And Carrie and I both had a like body, a horrific body sensation. Well, we always have. It's like the whole Grant Cardone thing, right? It's like we've 10X. been told this since we started 10X. our business. 10X. Everyone's after this. Yeah. 10X. And it's funny because we, we sort of talked to each other and we're like, why did we have such a bad reaction? To 10x. I mean, we should have been jumping for joy. Like, let's 10x because that would be more mission. That would be more money. Um, and we realized that our animal self, our emotional self immediately said, well, 10x in the business means 10x work. Yeah. And, and we can't do that. And so what I've been sort of starting to play with is the concept of one tenth. So instead of 10x doing one tenth, and one tenth simply means instead of growing and making more money or doing more things, what if you actually sustained, but sustained everything that you had in your life at one tenth of the work? Right. And ironically, that actually sets you up for 10xing your, you know, outward results, whether that's money or you know, reach or whatever it is that you want, because you are usually 
the limiting factor in your ambition and in your goals and in your business and whatever. You're the limiting factor. So if you can actually provide the same amount of value by doing less work, that actually opens the door for you to sustainably 10x your business. Right. And do so in a way that that does not burn you out and kill you in the process. So yeah, this is, it's great because it it leverages our animal psychology of like actually wanting to be lazy. Um, But yet we know we're not lazy people. So like we know we will continue to put work in. It's just a great thought exercise. And it feels so much more attainable than 10x. You hear 10x and you're like, oh, okay. Like that sounds so hard. Yeah. But you hear one tenth and you're like, ooh, Mm. I could get on board with that. (laughs) I could do what? So we're, (laughs) Our chew and swallow year, I mean, the real like mountaintop for us would be to do a one-tenth year, meaning instead of looking to increase top-line results in some explicit way, we're actually looking to sustain everything that we've gained in the last two to four years, but do it with one-tenth of the work so that we can then liberate some of that time and attention to go even further and create, you know, write another book, create more valuable, like, you know, coaching opportunities for people. And, and also keep some of that for ourselves and enjoy our life at an even higher level. Right. Okay, well, that's it. Gang, if you are in Life Act Tribe, I implore you, no, I demand that you come to this annual pre-planning that we're going to be doing in this month. Um, and if you're not in Life Act Tribe, honestly, this is a great this is a great month to try. We do have monthly and quarterly programs. So even if you just wanted to join Tribe for a month, and this would be the month to do it because it is just such a great opportunity to kick your year off strong and have a rock solid annual plan. So. Even if you don't do it with us, get that annual plan so that you can come into the next year with radical clarity. And we'll be seeing you soon.